Thanks for listening to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. Our prayer is that today's message will challenge and inspire you to pursue Jesus and to love people to life. Get your Bibles out. We're going to go into the book of Philippians once again this morning. Philippians chapter 3. We're talking a series this morning dealing with focused. And you know, we are living in a time where everything is happening. It's, uh, it's easy to lose focus, become distracted. But we want to keep a focus on the things that God has for us. Amen. Last week we talked about Paul. And Paul, uh, all he wanted to do is know Jesus. He just wanted to know Jesus in, in the deepest way he could. I mean, even to the point he said, I'm, I'd even want to share in his suffering, share in the resurrection, whatever it takes. By all means, all he wanted to do was know Jesus. He wanted to be so much like Jesus that no matter when you came in t- contact with him, you saw Jesus with everything he did. How many know God, Jesus desires us to be one with him? Amen. We talked about this last, last week. To the be of one with him means that when people look at us, they see Jesus. No matter, no matter what, we're, what we're doing, we're so one with Christ that the, the, the love of Christ, the grace of God is seen upon our lives. So this morning as we talk about this, Paul was talking in the Philippians earlier as we talked about last week. He, was, he talked about his credentials. He talked about how he was a Pharisee, a Pharisee. He was, he was a, a part of the, uh, the strictest part of the Pharisees that kept the law, that did all these things. But what did he say about his credentials that he had before Christ? He said they were nothing but garbage. He said that's all they were were garbage. Because he said when it comes to knowing Christ, that means nothing. And his life before that was nothing. But so as we talk about keeping focus, we wanted this morning, we must look at what's ahead. Amen. And this is where Paul, we're going to pick up in the chapter 3, verse 12. The question is, are we desperately pursuing God's finished work? Are we desperately pursuing God's finished work? You say, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Are we desperately desiring to become mature like Christ desires us to be. The scripture many times uses the word perfection, but we're, we'll never be perfect until we get to heaven one day. But right now, we're supposed to be striving toward maturity. Amen? Amen, church? Are we, are we striving for maturity? Are we desperately pursuing God's finished work in our life? We should be. There's never a time that we should never lose sight of that and lose focus of that because everything is about Jesus Christ. Just so you know, it's not about you. It's all about him. Amen? Now look what, he, what Paul says. As he talked about everything in his life was kind of rubbish, uh, this stuff was garbage. Then he says to them, he wants them to understand, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things. Or that I have already reached perfection. But he says, I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Paul saying, Jesus initiated this thing. He wasn't searching for Christ. How many know that? Paul's experience. He wasn't searching for Christ. He thought Christ and his message was, was heretic. He, and he was actually out destroying the church, trying, putting people in jail. But he had all of a sudden on this road to Damascus, he had this experience where God encountered him, where Jesus encountered him. And as he was encountered there by Jesus, in other words, he said, God pursued me first. How many know God's pursued you first? He's done it all for you. Amen. And Paul said, I haven't reached this perfection. He says, but one thing I do, I press on. Think about what the word press. It means something. He, he makes it determined and he struggles and he continues to go. How many know Paul was not a perfect man? 
I mean, we don't see a lot of things, but we know he was a man. And he struggled just like any other person did. But he was, his, in his heart, his desire was to know God and to follow God and to mature, to become the person that God intended him to be. And he's telling the Philippians, I'm not quite there yet. But he says, I press on to take hold of that maturity which God has possessed me. Now, he's looking at verse 13. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. What does he say? Focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what's ahead. Paul says, my past is my past. I don't live there anymore. I'm looking unto Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of my faith. I'm looking to move on and get deeper and deeper in my relationship with Christ. How many know, church, God wants us to go deeper in our relationship with him? He wants you to go deeper. He wants you to know him in a greater way. And I've said this for many, many years. It's the word and prayer, right? The word and prayer. The word and prayer. That's how we get deep. And if you get tired of that, it's prayer and the word. It's prayer and the word. It doesn't change. If you're going to grow in your life, if you're going to become mature and, and obtain to the fullness that God has for you, you can't do it apart from the word of God and apart from a time of prayer and worship and your intimacy with God. You cannot do it without it. And he's saying this. He says, I'm forgetting those things which are behind. I'm looking forward. I'm pressing on. I'm going to do whatever I can to become more like Jesus in my life. Now, look what he says in verse 14. He says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. You know what the heavenly prize? He, he was looking toward Jesus. He's looking toward heaven. He was looking for one day because he realized that's where his home was. That's the, how many know that's the destination for all of us that know Christ is heaven? Amen? Have you got that focused? Have you got that, have you, are you that focused this morning that it's all about Christ? Paul says, I'm not finished yet. There's still work to do. There's still growing to do. And I'm focused on that. I'm focused on that thing which is ahead. Church, it's easy to get distracted, isn't it? See, my focus is what lies ahead. My focus on Jesus, not my past. How many are too many people allow their past to determine their future? Too many people get hung up on what happened last year, what happened a few years ago, what happened when they was a child, and they, and they never moved beyond that. And Paul's saying, listen, no matter what your past is, no matter what's happened, leave it by. No matter how educated you are or how well you know things, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Keep your focus, not on the past, but look to the future of what God has for you. See, I'm, he says, I'm running hard to receive heaven's reward. You know, if you think about this, Paul, Paul compared believers to athletes who were preparing for competition. He really did. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run what? To win. Run to win. How many know I'm not running to lose? How about you? I'm running to, I'm running this life. I'm living my life to win. I'm not looking to come in second place. I want to win. I want to be all that God has called me to be. I want to walk in a deeper maturity than I ever walked before. And I know even as a pastor, I'm not there yet. There's more that God wants to reveal. There's more that God wants to teach. There's more that God wants me to learn about him but he says he says i i don't run i don't i run to win he says verse 25 he says all athletes are disciplined in their training 
They do this to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. We do it for an eternal reward. We do it because of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And just as an athlete trains to get ready to run or to box, church, we've got to train spiritually. We've got to be in the word. Amen? And then look what he says in verse 26. He says, so I run with purpose in every step. Purpose in every step. When you're training, you, you, everything you do has a reason. I'm not a runner. Some of you guys like to run. I think it's demonic to run. <laughs> not really, just so you know. But anyway, but, but when you're training, and I know we have Scott Knuckles, one of my elders, he, he's running in the New York Marathon. You know what? He trained for months and months, a long time, almost a year or so, getting ready for that. And there was purpose in everything he did. To get to that place to be able to finish the, and run the marathon. It takes discipline. And you have to do it. And you don't just run, get up one day and say, okay, I'm going to run 26 and a half miles. No. Or 26. I don't even know how long it is. is, is that, 26.2. 26. Okay, close. That's too long to run. <laughs> Take a car. It's much faster. Anyway. But here, here's the thing. When he was training, he didn't get up one more and say, okay, I'm going to do 26.2 miles. He had to build up to that. It took time to get there. And same thing spiritually with us, church. Now look what he says here. He says, says, I run with purpose in every step. He says, I'm not just shadow boxing. Now that's a sport I understand, boxing, okay? Boxing. You know, when you see the boxers warming up in the thing, they're, they're, they're just punching at the wind. That's not really boxing. Boxing is actually when they get in the ring and there's somebody, an opponent across from them. And they begin to get punched and they punch back. And they, there's a boxing takes place. So he said, uh, he said, I'm not just shadow boxing. In other words, he said, this is for real. The life that we live right now is for real, church. And how we grow and develop in our spiritual walk means so much. And how we, we persevere and how we win the race. But he says, I don't shadow box. Look, he says, I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should. Otherwise, he says, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. He said, man, if I don't do this, if I don't train my and do my and get my discipline in my life and be mature and become the person I am, I could possibly be disqualified. Because I'm, I may be saying one thing and living a different way. I may be telling you, you need to discipline your life, and I'm not willing to discipline my life. And Paul says, I want to make sure that I'm growing toward maturity. Growing toward maturity. You guys remember the marathon that uh, this lady, uh, I don't remember her name, but she she claimed that she won the marathon. She cut in at the last minute and didn't even run the marathon and showed up across the finish line. She got disqualified after it all came out. But, But see, that's the thing. We don't want to be disqualified. We want to live our lives in such a way that it brings glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. So church, we've got to be willing to pursue after God with everything. Amen? See, maturity comes by depending on God. Not depending on self. It comes by depending on God. He says this in verse 15. Let all who are spiritually minded agree upon these things. In other words, the things that he said, we're not there yet, but we're pressing on, we're going forward. If you disagree on some points, I believe God will make it plain to you. 
Now look at verse 13, or 16. But we must hold to the, to the progress we have already made. Church, how many know, many of you have made great progress. And many of us have things, but how many know we can't stop there? We have to continue to depend upon God. I've got to continue to go back to God continuously and say, God, I need you. I need more of you. I need less of Gary. I need more of you. I need to surrender more to you, God. I, I, my, I, my dependency is upon you. How many know without him, we can do nothing, the word of God says. What that means is I can do nothing without, that has spiritual value without Christ. I can do a lot of things that have no spiritual value upon myself. But if I'm going to do anything that's going to have any spiritual worth or value, it has to be done depending upon Christ. Building, be it being the pastor's church, I, it, it all depends upon Christ. Because it's, it's all about him. Church. We need to press on to know the Savior better. We need to press on to know him better. And see, Paul makes this statement. He says, if we we disagree on some things, maybe God will make it plain. But I want to just say this about disagreements. Disagreements can make us stronger. Our disagreements can also be used of the enemy to cause us to be distracted. There may be some things that you and I may not agree upon, but how many know we should be able to still center upon Jesus Christ? Amen. Amen? And walk in the maturity and what he has for us. See, knowing God is, is what helps us and leads us to maturity. This is what Paul's talking about, all about keeping focus and being mature. So, next thing, this is so important. Surround yourself with people who are focused on Christ. You want to grow spiritually? Surround yourself with people who are focused on Christ. Listen to what he says. He said, dear brothers and sisters, pattern your life after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Church, as a pastor, I've seen so many people shipwreck their lives by the people they choose to hang out with. Let me say that again. I've seen people shipwreck their lives by the people they choose to hang out with. Bad company, the Word of God says, corrupts good character. Matter of fact, Hebrews says, choose your friends well. Why? Because they influence you. You need to be careful who you allow to speak into your life. If you've got somebody that's not speaking truth into your life, you know what? You need to back off. You need to pull back away from it. You need to, you need to get away from it. I've seen marriages, I've seen families, I've seen young people, I've seen men and women walk away from Christ because of the people they begin to hang out with. I had a young lady one time in my youth group. She, uh, she was seek, seeking after God and she had a heart for God. All of a sudden she quit showing up at youth and I, I'd call her and say, where are you at? What's going on? Oh, I, I'm going over to some friend's house and doing this, doing that, got busy. I said, I told her, I said, you need to be careful. I said, you're making some bad choices. You got to be careful what you're doing. Be careful who you allow to speak into your life. A few weeks went by, I didn't hear from her. All of a sudden, she shows up at the office at the church one day, tears rolling down her face. She said, Pastor Gary, she says, I'm in trouble. I said, what's going on? What's going on? She says, I'm pregnant. And all I could, all I could do is just there and weep because I knew what was happening. She was making choices to hang out with people that were not godly, but they were having influence on her in a, different, in a bad way. Bad company corrupts good character. If you want to grow deeper in God, 
Get people around you that's going to challenge you with the Word of God. Get people around you that's going to speak into your life. Get people around you that's going, going to call you out when you're doing stuff that's not right. But to do that, you've got to be willing to be teachable. You know, the sad story didn't end there. This young lady began to wound up having two children out of wedlock. Because she wouldn't break away from the people that was influencing her life. It may look good at the beginning, but I tell you what, most of it leads to destruction. I've seen it happen so many times because people begin to listen to people that do not give them godly counsel. They want people around to tell them things that make them feel good about themselves. So listen. He says, dear brothers and sisters, pattern your life after mine. And learn from those who follow our example. In one place, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. What was he saying there? He said, if I deviate from following Christ, don't follow me any longer. That's basically what he's saying. As long as I'm following Christ, follow me. But if I'm not following Christ, don't follow me anymore. And you know what? If you've got people in your life that's speaking negativity and you're speaking lies and not telling you the truth, you need to break the relationship. Well, I want to try. This is what, honestly, this young lady told me when I first saw her. She said, well, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm going to try to witness to them. I want to show them how much Jesus loves them. You've got to be strong to be able to do that. Okay? The next thing is we talk about, as we put surround people around you, here's, here's the thing. Don't be self-focused or proud. See, self-focused people and proud people are not willing to be taught. Have you ever run into that? They think they know it all already. You can't tell them anything because they, they've got it all under control. Look what he says. The scripture says in verse 18, For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct show that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. In other words, it's all about them. He says, be careful. We can't be, don't be self-focused and proud. Get that out of our lives. I want to remain teachable. How about you? And I know if I'm going to, if I remain teachable, I have to surrender every day to Christ. I got to surrender every moment sometimes to Christ and walk with him. See, church, people who are self-absorbed, it's all, they're concerned only about themselves. And they glorify their own works over Christ. But here's the thing. Paul goes on and says to them, we are citizens of heaven. How many of you, you're, you're a citizen of the United States right now, but how many of your real identity as a believer, you are a citizen of heaven? Amen. As a citizen of heaven, we, suppose we should be conducting our lives differently. Amen? Look what he says. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for, his re, for him to return as our Savior. Can I ask you this, church? Are you looking for Jesus' return? Have you got your focus on the return of Christ? We live in a time where, I mean, there's, it's, it, Jesus could come any moment. 
I mean that. I really, I've heard that preached since I was knee high. Just, but you know what? I really believe that we are living in a time Jesus could come at any moment. Are we ready to meet Christ? Are we ready to go home to where we, where we are supposed to be? Because that's our home. Heaven is our home. That's, that's what our prize has to be. And if we aren't focused on Christ and focused on heaven, then we're going to be distracted by the world around us. And we're, we'll forget that we're citizens of heaven and we'll begin to live like citizens of the earth. But if you keep Jesus before you and look at the prize that's set before us, you live a different life because your goals are different. Your desires are different. He says, we're citizens of heaven. We must really, we must really believe that Christ is returning. Jesus is coming. Amen. And one day he's going to come and he's, we're going to go home to be with him. And the, more, the older I get, the more I'm looking forward to it. You know, I, I said in early service, I'll say it here. When I pass away, I hope nobody cries. I hope everybody shouts and worships and praise God. Because you know what? I'm not going to be sorry one bit. I'm going to be home in heaven rejoicing around the throne of God. Because that's my home. That's where I'm going. That's where I'm a citizen of. And so are you if you're a child of God. That's our home. Now, see, the thing about it is, these bodies that we live in right now, they're just temporary. This is a temporary tent. Matter of fact, Paul describes our bodies as tents. Now, look at this. Look what he says in verse 21. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. You, we're, there's, when, you get before, when you go into heaven, there's a new body for you. I don't know what that looks like, but I can tell you this. It's going to be different. It might be in your mid-30s and it's all great shape and handsome. I don't know. But there's a new heavenly body. There's a new body that you will receive. See, church, are you looking ahead to what's... Are you, are you looking to what lies ahead? Now, think about this. Paul refers to our bodies as tents. Now look what he says in 2 Corinthians 5.1. He says, for we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Man, to be... To one day just step into glory. You leave this old tent behind. And you're ushered into the presence of God. And you have, a, you have a spiritual body. No more sickness. No more sorrow. No more pain. No more suffering. We're there in his presence. Keep that before you. Amen. Keep that before you. Listen to what else he says. He says in verse three, 2 and 3. We grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. Anybody ever got new clothes and you couldn't wait to wear them when you were younger? I remember getting, a, getting a, a new little suit when I was young, and I going for Easter service. I wanted to wear that everywhere. <laughs> proud of it. What, anybody know what I'm talking about? Very proud of it. Man, look at the scripture. He says, we groan. 
We grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on our heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. That's a good thing to know. In heaven, you're not just going to be the spirit runner. You're going to have a body, a heavenly body. And then he goes on. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not because we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared for, uh, us for this. And, a, and a guarantee, a guarantee he has, as a guarantee, he has given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was put in you as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Listen, the Holy Spirit, God says, listen, I paid for it all. And I put my Holy Spirit in you, I, you as ownership. And one day you're going to complete this race. And one day you're going to receive a new body. You're going to be in my presence. But today, right now, if you're a born-again believer, you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you. And that's a sign from God that you are His. And what He has said will happen. That you belong to Him. And one day you will receive that new body when you go to be in His presence. So He says this. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not home with the Lord. But we live by believing or live by faith, not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we would be at home with the Lord. So verse 9 says, so whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal, what, is to please Him. On this, with this earthly body right now, I want to use my body to please him. I want to bring glory to him. I want him to be exalted. I want people to see Jesus in me. I want to grow deeper in my faith. And one day, church, rather here and be at home, I want to be pleasing to the Lord. Amen? I want to be pleasing to him. And then he says this, because look at this in verse, verse 10 of 2 Corinthians. We must all stand before Christ to be judged. Now, let me just say, for the believer, this is not the judgment of sin. Sin has already been taken care of under the blood of Jesus Christ. The judgment we will stand before is what we've done, whether good or bad, in these bodies will be judged. How we've glorified God or not glorified God. What we've done for the kingdom of God, what we've done for ourselves, that's what will be judged. And that's what our reward will be those things that stand that were for Christ. So here we go. We will all stand before him. One day, each one of us in this room that are believers, you will stand before Christ and have to give an account of how you've conducted your life. How you've dealt with his resources, what you've done with the things of God, how you've pursued God. We all, nobody will escape that. But for those who don't know Christ, they'll stand before him in a different judgment. The great white throne judgment where they will be judged. Is their name written in the Lamb's book of life? Is their name been written down? You say, well, how do you get your name written down? It's written down in the blood of Jesus Christ. When you ask him to come into your heart and your life. The blood of Jesus, I believe, is written in the blood. Because you are a child of God and he's paid for it all. Do you, do you, are you pursuing him? Do you have that relationship with him? That you don't have to stand before him as, as somebody that's condemned to hell because you've never accepted Christ 
You never got your sins washed away. You can stand before him as a child of God and be judged for those things, good or bad, we've done in our life. But it's not sinful judgment. There's, there's two judgments, the one for the believer and the one for the sinner that's never accepted Christ. I don't know about you, but I want to stand before him having my works judged, not having my sin judged. Because that's the difference. One will judge your works. One will judge your sin. And if you don't have Christ in your life, you will stand before the judgment of sin. And he'll look for your name. And if your name's not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. You'll be condemned. There, I believe in a literal hell. There is a hell. I know some people try to say there's no hell. But there is a hell. This Word of God, if it wasn't a hell, they wouldn't talk about it. But it's in the Word of God. You can, you can stand, you're going to stand before between one or two, one of those judgments. But the choice is yours. The choice is yours. Do you know him today? Do you have that relationship with him? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Are you walking with him in his presence? Are you pursuing that, that desire to, to want to know him deeper and deeper than ever before? I pray that's for the believer. I pray that's your heart's desire. Don't lose focus of what's ahead. Heaven is, is our home. We're citizens of heaven. The Word of God says we're, we're pilgrims. We're only passing through here on a journey to our home. To those who don't know Christ, maybe you're tuned in by uh, online with us today, or you're sitting here in this auditorium, but you don't know Jesus. Which judgment do you want to stand before? You want to stand before him in the great white throne judgment where sin, sinners will be judged and condemned to hell? Or do you want to stand before him for a judgment and being judged for your works and receive your reward into, his, into the kingdom of God? The choice is yours which judgment you stand before God. But we will all stand before him one way or another. Which will you choose? Would you just bow your heads with me right now? Father, I shared the word of God that I felt like you laid on my heart for this morning. And God, our, our desire is to never lose focus of heaven. To never lose focus that God, this is not our home, but we're citizens of heaven. And God, one day these bodies will be transformed and changed. Whether it's through death and the grave or, Lord, the, you come back in the rapture of the church and we're called up and we'll be changed in a moment, a twinkling of an eye. God, I just pray this morning. God, if there would be one here that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, God, they would be challenged this morning by you, God, by the Spirit of God, not by me, but by the Spirit of God to humble themselves before you and receive mercy before it's too late. Father, I just ask God to speak to hearts and lives right now in the name of Jesus.